It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment with us here at DisneyBluesDizRadio.com with the Diz Radio Show. And this week, for the week of April 20th, 2017, show number 174, we have all kinds of fun as we're getting ready for Earth Day. We're going to spend that day thinking of nature, the wild, those natural resources, those endangered species, and so much more, as we have none other than Barnaby Taylor stopping in here at the show. Now, Barnaby Taylor is the composer of the upcoming Disney nature film, Born in China. And Barnaby's going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things. What it was like composing this Disney nature series, Born in China, as well as his other accomplishments, including Wild China, Frozen Planet, as well as the upcoming Netflix series, Ghosts in the Mountain. He's also going to talk about his composer influences and many other things. Things. In addition, no show would be complete without the D-Team. That's right, the D-Team is here to add that something special to the show and give you a little bit of magic. And we have Dominic stopping in with this week's tip and trick for your Walt Disney World vacation in the short leash. We have Paige with the symphony for your ears with the magical music review. We have Randy with the latest from Disney Multimedia. Nathan taking a trip back and dusting off those books with This Week in Disney History. We also have Jason going deep into the vault with another Blu-ray and DVD you have to add to your collection and so many other things on the horizon. There is tons of news hot off the D-Wire from Animal Kingdom, the Magic Kingdom, Disney Channel, Pandora, Star Wars, and so much more. So before we officially kick off this week's show and let nature run wild, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel. And Castle and Dreams Travel is 100% free planning agency. They're going to help you plan, book, and prepare and treat you like family. Open up those arms, give you a big hug, treat you like family, and make it the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. They also have bilingual experts to help you with those language barriers and really make it the most magical vacation that you can have. So definitely check them out. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all VD heads, with that said, it is time to jump into nature, run through the jungle, go off into China, and officially kick off show number 174 for the week of April 20th, 2017. And let's just jump right into this one with all that nature has to offer. The sun keeps rising every day Time to run or time to play The wind is smiling on my face There's something about your melody Hear it singing through the trees The rhythm's taking over me Let's go, let's take a ride Let's go light up the night I got you by my side, we'll survive
Film yet. A groundbreaking journey inside the breathtaking wilds of China. This film, I think, is groundbreaking in the sense that it really gives the audience a view into China that we don't see. What's really magnificent about the footage is how incredibly difficult it is to get that footage. The Qinghai Plateau is 14 to 16,000 feet high. Most mammals couldn't exist there, but for the snow leopard and a select few number of uh, animals, it's their home. The mountains of Sichuan, where the monkeys and pandas live, is pure cinematic magic. We follow these three amazing families. And possibly the cutest little creature in all of the animal kingdom. The story of each of these animals touches our heart in a way that only Disney can. Disney Natures, Born in China. See Born in China opening week, and Disney Nature will make a donation to World Wildlife Fund to help protect wild pandas and snow leopards in China. Hi, this is Barnaby Taylor. I'm the composer for Disney Natures, Born in China, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Hello there. Welcome, boys and girls, ladies and gentle bugs. Flick here. You're just in time. We're about to leave this cozy hill and head out on a wild expedition unlike anything you've ever seen. And ants usually don't brag. But lucky you, because I'm the best ant there is to guide you. Okay, I guess ants do brag a little. We'll journey from the dusty savannas of Africa to the teeming jungles and rivers of Asia and even go way back in time to the age of dinosaurs. Ew. I hope you packed your lunch. <laughs> well, are you ready? Great! Then grab your knapsacks, because we're going on a musical safari right here in Disney's Animal Kingdom! Seems like I'm always a couple steps behind, too. Hello, Jumbo. Hello, hello. 
Jumbo! Welcome! This is Harambe, a modern-day East African village in the animal kingdom. Harambe means coming together in Swahili, one of hundreds of languages spoken in Africa. Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 174 for the week of April 20th, 2017, as we're celebrating nature, Earth Day, endangered species, and so much more, as we have none other than Barnaby Taylor, the composer of Disney Nature's upcoming release of Born in China, among many other credits to his name. We also have the D-team stopping in with Dominic Page, Nathan, Jason, and Randy, all stopping in with their signature segments, and so much more. So before I officially jump into news hot off the D-wire, because we do have a lot of it, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show, and first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news feeds, and more right there on our official website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets. And this last week, we had a blow as our Facebook page was hacked and our page was deleted. So we have an all-new Facebook page for you D-Heads to go to, and that's facebook.com slash dizradioshow. That's facebook.com slash D-I-Z radio s-h-o-w so facebook.com slash diz radio show stop on by like us once again 
Got to give it up to those hackers going in and uh, crashing us down, but we're going to rebuild from the ground up with the help of all of you D-heads. So definitely check us out there, facebook.com slash Show. You can also connect up with us on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Disney On Demand, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, quirky, magical little show. And remember, if you want to stay connected instantly, you need the magic for your ears right away. It's super easy. All you have to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and search Disney On Demand, Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney Blue, B-L-U, all of which are going to find our show. You can subscribe right there and get the latest shows for your iPhone, your Android, your tablet, you name it, and have the magic instantly as it gets released for your ears. And remember, if you can't remember any of this, all you have to do is go to DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio, Dot com and get all those links there as well. So all of you D-Hats, with that said, let's jump into that news hot off the D-Wire. And let's kick it off with Star Wars Celebration Orlando. Yes, Star Wars Celebration happened this last weekend. It was a fun, huge event. And of course, the trailer. Yes, the Last Jedi trailer. Now everybody's asking, what is the Last Jedi? Who is the Last Jedi? Did Luke even say the Jedi must end? So many different things left up to that with the Last Jedi trailer. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to go too much into it, but come on. I am excited for The Last Jedi and the next part in this saga of Episode 8. Now, moving forward here, let's get into makeup, something that I usually don't wear too much. And how about Lorac, Los Angeles, introducing a new limited edition Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales collection. Yes, Lorac of Los Angeles announced the launch of the limited edition Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales collection, which marks the brand's first ever collaboration with the Walt Disney Company. Now, the collection features a pro eyeshadow palette, color source cheek palette, and a six MOD cream dual-ended lip colors with many shades, names, and packaging of choice colors inspired by the Pirates films. Now, like I said, I don't wear any makeup like that. Maybe one of the females here in the D-Team would be able to tell us a little bit more about this, but the launch precedes the movie release, which is premiering in theaters on May 26th. Now, as it was officially released as part of the press junket, developing a line for the Pirates of Caribbean allows us to further cement Lorax Hollywood roots in a very unique way. As part of the brand's modernization, we are embracing all of our LA heritage with fresh, fun new products, collections, and this collaboration is the perfect opportunity to showcase our brand, values, and creativity, Betsy Hamlet, Chief Creative Officer of Lorax, has stated. Now, the film inspired many of the different shade names, and like I said, it's a lot of different palettes here, lots of different colors, but I will say that the packaging for it is really awesome. It does look really cool, whether you're into makeup or not. You know, I'm not going to judge anybody here. It is very cool, but definitely check it out. Lorac of Los Angeles introducing the new limited edition Dead Men Tell No Tales collection. Now, since we are talking about pirates here, how about the Walt Disney Archives exhibit, A Pirate's Life for Me, to open at the D23 Expo in 2017? The Walt Disney Archives are returning to the D23 Expo with an all-new exhibit, Walt Disney Archives Presents, A Pirate's Life for Me, Disney's Rascals, Scoundrels, and Really Bad Eggs. Now, Disney's most memorable marauders, from Peter Pan's Captain Hook to Pirates of the Caribbean's Jack Sparrow, are going to be on display from July 14th through the 16th at the Anaheim Convention Center during the annual event presented by D23, the official Disney fan club. Now, the 12,000-square-foot exhibit is located on the Expo show floor, and it will honor Disney's treasured pirates from film, television, and many of the theme park attractions that have thrilled 
guests from Anaheim all the way through to Shanghai. Now, hundreds of iconic and never-before-seen items are going to be on display. Now, some of the objects that are going to be featured in the exhibit include many audio-animatronic figures from the original Disneyland attraction, a ride vehicle from Peter Pan's flight, and artwork from the imagery of Treasure Island, Peter Pan, as well as unproduced Donald Duck animated shorts featuring Donald Duck as a swashbuckler for gold. Now, the action-packed film franchise, of course, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and many others, including the upcoming Dead Men Tell No Tales, are going to be there as well. Now, also on the show floor, the archives are going to present fantastical fashions, a dazzling selection of dresses worn by beloved heroines and sinister villains as well. Now, the costumes from six different Disney live-action fantasy films are going to be showcased, including Enchanted, Maleficent, and Beauty and the Beast. Now, you can get in on this. Check it out as part of the D23 Expo for $81 a day, $59 for children, and more. If you want more information about this, we have a full write-up on our official website at DizRadio.com, as well as you can visit D23Expo.com. Now, moving along here, let's get into other things at the Disney parks. And how about Surreal Worlds, Superheroes, groundbreaking experiences, and more are all going to be part of the Disney parks this summer. Now, anchored by two amazing new experiences, one of an alien planet where mountains float and banshees fly, and the other is an epic adventure inviting a breathtaking drop to the world of superheroes, Disney Parks is going to be poised for all new things this year. As we already know, they are going to have the world of Avatar, yes, with Pandora coming to Animal Kingdom. Now, they're also going to have a variety of other things, including the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Now, the Disneyland Resort in California, opening on May 27th, the outrageous and crazy characters from Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be coming in Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Now, this is going to be an overall redo of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, which I personally, I will miss that one. And, you know, I'm not going to judge it until I ride it. But they are going to have some great things as part of this, including the attraction's awesome mixtape, as they put it. Now, at the Walt Disney World Resort, they're going to have an all-new Rivers of Light at Disney's Animal Kingdom. There's going to be a new nighttime experience at Disney's Hollywood Studios, premiering on May 26th as well, with the music of Pixar Live. And there's going to be movie replicas from Rogue One, a Star Wars story, as part of Star Wars Launch Bay at the Hollywood Studios as well. Now, May 12th is going to be opening Happily Ever after the all-new most spectacular fireworks display that is in transition from Wishes, who I am going to miss as well. Now, Disney Springs is going to rock out many other things with all-new food, beverage locations, and so much more. So there's so many different things on the horizon this summer, so much more than I can even talk about here. But, you know, many people have some great roundtables with this. They go through, they talk about it, dissect it. But I am excited for all the different things that they have to offer coming up for this summer at all of the Disney parks. Now, moving from the parks, getting into things like the Disney Channel, how about Descendants? Yes, and the Descendants sequel. Yes, Descendants 2 are going to debut Ways to be Wicked, the first single from the movie soundtrack. Now, the stars of the highly anticipated Disney Channel original movie, Descendants 2, Dove Cameron, Sophia Carson, Cameron Boyce, and Boo Boo Stewart are debuting Ways to be Wicked, the first track from Descendants 2 on April 13th last week. Now, this was the first single that everybody had a chance to see what to expect in the upcoming sequel to this film. Now, the single Ways to be Wicked is available for pre-order and the full Descendants 2 soundtrack is available as well. Now, Ways to be Wicked is performed by Cameron, 
Carson, Boyce, and Stewart, the main people from Descendants, the first one. Now, as they said, this is going to be a fantastic soundtrack. Now, the Descendants 2 soundtrack is going to feature six original songs with two covers of Kiss the Girl, yes, two covers, and Poor Unfortunate Souls from Disney's animated classic The Little Mermaid. And there's going to be three original songs from the animated short film series Descendants, Wicked World, including Better Together, Evil, Rather Be With You, and many others. Now, these are great scores a great breakout and come on if you're gonna have a musical on the Disney Channel because come on what movie that is a Disney movie you know that's a musical that you don't love Descendants is one of those that was awesome the music was fun it had a great twist on a classic tale and so many more I mean I am excited for this one as well but now you can go through pre-order the soundtrack get it in your hands right now and Descendants the first one just so you know how popular this thing was it was the fifth most watched movie in cable TV history with 12.2 million viewers over well and reaching over well 100 million viewers worldwide so that right there should tell you how huge Descendants was now since we are talking about things with music and dancing and really getting in the groove here how about Marvel launching the global hashtag Groot Dance Bomb Challenge to plant a quarter of a million trees in honor of Earth Month and Groot the galaxy's top tree now, as tree-like creature Groot dances back into theaters with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 on May 5th, Marvel announced this week the global hashtag Groot Dance Bomb Challenge, an intergalactic twist on the social photobomb phenomenon. Now, the Groot Dance Bomb Challenge blends a surprise of dance to spread the Groot Will Earth around the world. Now, Marvel gave YouTube star Dominic Dietrichs an early look at the Groot and his new dancing toy line, and he challenged him to create a Groot-inspired dance move to surprise and delight unexpecting fans. Now this was born. Now this is a great way for people to go ahead, add their own twist to it, and have fun. Now as they've officially released, Marvel is now calling for all fans to support the hashtag Groot Dance Bomb Earth Month Challenge by busting out a signature Groot move at an unexpected moment using dancing Groot toy and to surprise someone or even just have fun and share it with the hashtag Groot Dance Bomb. Now from April 18th all the way through May 5th you can like or share the YouTube video and share your own bomb from Groot. Now moving back to films here how about Will Smith? He may play the genie in the upcoming live action adaptation of Aladdin. Yes, Guy Ritchie's live-action adaptation of Aladdin may have just found its genie. Now, according to Deadline this week, Will Smith is in early negotiations to play the role previously assumed by the late Robin Williams in the 1992 animated classic. Now, Smith was also in discussions to join Disney's live-action Dumbo by director Tim Burton, but those negotiations fell through. Now, although it may be difficult to follow up Williams' iteration of the genie we can say that maybe maybe you know will smith has something in there with great roles like fresh prince of bel-air men in black pursuit of happiness he might be able to pull it off i'm not sure yet i'm not sold will smith is kind of like a jim carrey it's give or take depending on what they make now the original aladdin was based on one of the arabian folk tales in 1001 nights now everybody knows the story of aladdin so i'm not going to go through and rehash that for you but what are your thoughts of will smith joining on board with the live-action adaptation 
of this classic. Now, moving away from that, let's go back into the galaxy far, far away, which I forgot to talk about earlier. And how about a Star Wars Starship Hotel experience at Walt Disney World is in the works. Yes, any diehard Star Wars fan is going to know that Disney is in full motion with the Star Wars Land expansions. Everybody is ready for these from great AT-AT walkers all the way through great villages, marketplaces, and so much more. But this rumor is going strong. Everybody's talking about it. Now, according to the survey, the new experience is going to have where you are part of a Star Wars spacecraft with rooms with interactive views and story-driven entertainment. Now, there's not too much more about this other than everybody getting ready for Star Wars The Last Jedi. But what are your thoughts? Would you go to a you know, full-out Star Wars hotel? I know I would, and the waiting list would probably be huge. Now, getting back to Disney Channel original movies here as we wrap up news, how about Tyra Banks teasing Life Size 2? Now, everybody's wondering, will Zendaya star and will Lindsay Lohan make a cameo? Now, you can put out all your Eve dolls because Life Size 2 is happening, as I said, as part of the Disney ABC television movie, and it's going to be part on Freeform. Now, everybody is speaking to Banks so far about this at Freeform's upfront presentation in New York City this last April 19th. Now, Entertainment Tonight reported that Banks will reprise her role as the magical doll in the film, which now will follow Eve as she awakens to help a young woman learn to live and love again. Now, five years, four scripts, they finally realized it into a full-fledged made-for-TV movie for Freeform. Let's see what's going to happen with this, but I didn't really see the first one. It was kind of beyond my generation, but I'm sure that there's a huge fan following for this. But now Tyra Banks is teasing Life Size 2. So, all VD heads, with that said, it is time to move on here. Time to press on as we gear up for Barnaby Taylor. Yes, the composer for Disney Nature's Born in China, as he's going to be stopping in fresh from the UK to talk about what it's like composing this great Disney Nature series. We're celebrating Earth Day with animals, nature, and so much more. We also have the D team stopping in with Dominic, Paige, Nathan, Jason, and Randy and so much more as we press on here. So before I release the reins, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel. And Castle and Dreams Travel is 100% free agency. They're going to treat you like family, hold your hand, be like that big brother you always wanted, and make it the most magical vacation that you could possibly have, from dining reservations, tickets, you name it. And they even have bilingual experts to help you bridge that language barrier and make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. Definitely check them out. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So, all of you D-Eds, it is time to continue on, go through all this wild fun, celebrate Earth Day, take care of our planet, and let's press on for show number 174 for the week of April 20th, 2017. And when I come back, I'm going to have Barnaby Taylor here with me in the studios talking about China, pandas, monkeys, and more. Chosen me, I know 
This is the Global Broadcasting Service, serving remote outposts since 1928. The weather here this morning is hot and humid. A typhoon warning has been issued for coastal areas near the South China Sea, and a storm watch has been posted along the coast of eastern Africa. Tropical Imports announces that the special jungle cruise dispatch has arrived, bringing with it a generous supply of extra fine mosquito netting. Guaranteed impervious to mosquito and tsetse fly. Remember, when it comes to sleeping sickness, prevention is the only cure. That's mosquito netting at Trader Sam's. And now let's get back to our musical program.
and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs out? Hello everybody, this is Dominic and welcome to another edition of Disney's Short Leash. If you're new to this segment, a short leash isn't going to be long enough to take your Navi for a walk through Pandora. No, the short leash is a series of tips for people to get the most out of their Walt Disney World vacation when they're short on time or short on money. And with any luck, you may be able to try some of these suggestions and quite possibly do as much, if not more, than someone vacationing with a greater amount of time or a larger budget. Apparently it's Earth Day. I'm not really sure when that is. I'm not really an Earth Day kind of guy. I look at the Lorax and I see a hypocrite. Here's a guy who wants to save trees, so he writes a book, which is uh, made out of trees. If I was a tree, I just want him to mind his own business. He's not helpful. Anyway, apparently it's Earth Day and Jonathan asked me to talk about Animal Kingdom. Yes, Animal Kingdom, everybody's fourth favorite Disney World park. Unless you count the water parks, then it falls to sixth. No, I'm kidding. Well, barely kidding. Let me tell you how we came to love Animal Kingdom, or at least tolerate it. On our cartoon show, Animal Kingdom is a regular Plantoon's punching bag. It's not a full-blown zoo, and it's not a full-blown theme park, so it kind of did neither well. I mean, there was the Camp Mini Mickey meet-and-greet that masqueraded far too long as official land, the heretofore unrealized mythical beast area, the poor prognostication and overestimation of the popularity of Aladar the Dinosaur and A Bug's Life, Dinosaur having an e-ticket attraction that most wish was themed like its Indiana Jones twin in California, and the way too frightening for children, it's tough to be a bug. Yes, A Bug's Life has a first-class spot in the park's icon despite being Pixar's second lowest grossing picture ever, ironically missing out the worst grossing Pixar film title to another dinosaur movie. Yes, Aladar and Flick get e-ticket attractions, and Rapunzel from Tangled gets a bathroom. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Dino Land is at best incomplete, at worst super lazy, sporting a church carnival that barely is themed with painted wooden cutouts to make it dino-ish. The Dumbo-esque flying dinosaur ride is the ever-earthbound Triceratops. I mean, come on, Imagineers, you had a room full of the most creative people on Earth, and not one of you came up with a pterodactyl for your flying dinosaur ride? The place is covered in trees and yet has no shade. You can cool off with the rapids, but wet socks and feet... Mixed with a lot of walking is a prescription for blisters, and I dare you to give my wife a drink with those animal-safe paper straws because she might just stab you with it. Animal Kingdom might just be the definition of short leash. It wasn't even a half-day park for us. It was a morning. Everest dinosaur is tough to be a bug and get out. So it sounds like I'm doing a lot of hating here, but you would probably be surprised to learn that on our last non-short leash 10-day trip, our family made more trips to Animal Kingdom than any other park save the Magic Kingdom. The reason is the kids. Magic Kingdom is a no-brainer at any age. It might even pierce the veil of your emo middle schooler. Shout out to my daughter to see if she saw what I did there. Epcot was my jam in 1982, but these kids today with their 8-tracks and VCRs, it's like I brought them to school every time we visit. Hollywood Studios is a winner, but the appreciation kind of builds closer when they get up to high school age. If you're putting newspaper in their shoes so they make the Tower of Terror height requirement, well, maybe the park wasn't meant for them. However, if you have a couple of kids between the ages of 5 and 10 like I do, Animal Kingdom is the place to be. 
We spent over half our mornings walking among tigers and bats, rolling backwards from a formerly mobile Yeti, escaping dinosaurs, running around the boneyard, riding to conservation station, seeing a show of trained birds not pooping when they should have, enjoying some shade as magnificent puppeteers with incredibly high production value tried their best to convince an audience that the songs they were singing weren't amateurish, poorly contrived rhyme schemes and Finding Nemo can somehow pass as a libretto. Children will sit on their seat at the rapids with the hopes that they are the ones that get drenched while the adults are praying for the opposite, and also hoping that a damp plastic covering will be enough to protect their cell phone. That same cell phone that the kids will be begging to borrow so they can take pictures of all the animals they see on the safari. Animals that my wife is making a list of so she can try them at Boma. So although we often left before lunch, every other day became an Animal Kingdom morning, a small, bright, short-leash ritual that will no doubt be an evening excursion once Pandora opens with its bioluminescent splendor. Do zoos do animals better? Sure. Do other parks do rides better? Of course. But the hate on Animal Kingdom for these reasons misses the point. Animal Kingdom isn't animatronic predictable. Animal Kingdom, the park, is actually alive. It's living and breathing different every time and wondrous especially to your little one. When my son had tubes put into his ears he was allowed to take one stuffed animal into the ER with him. He took his friend the stuffed tiger from Animal Kingdom into the room to protect him. And that's the power of the connection kids have with these living breathing attractions. People talk about the Magic Kingdom being a place where fantasy comes to life, but I submit it is at Animal Kingdom where things are truly alive. See, you never have to suspend disbelief when something is actually real, and you don't wink in a camera when there's no fourth wall to break. And that is the connective power of this living park. Spending your mornings, and in short order your Pandora nights, among the animals, well, that's short leash people. I hope you enjoyed the tip. I do have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi, some questions, suggestions, or even your own short leash tips at dominic at dizradio.com. That's D-O-M-E-N-I-C at dizradio.com. I also can be found on the internet on Twitter at at WDWPlantoons and on YouTube and your favorite podcast apps by searching WDWPlantoons or visiting Plantoons.com. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. First came the Magic Kingdom, then Epcot, then Disney MGM Studios, and now... Introducing the most adventurous Walt Disney World theme park ever. Disney's Animal Kingdom. The imagination of Disney. Come wild. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Get about your worries and your strife. Brings the bare necessities of life Wherever I wander Wherever I roam I could be fond of my big home The bees are buzzing in the trees To make some honey just for me Look under the rocks and plants And take a glance at them fancy hills And then maybe fly a few <laughs> The bare necessities of life will come to you Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Get about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare 
necessity That's why a bear can rest at ease With just the bare necessities of life Wherever I wander Wherever I run I couldn't be found From my big hole That I love The piece of buzzing in a tree Make some honey Oh, just for me. me You look under the rocks and plants And take a glance Fancy ants Maybe try yourself a few The bare necessities of life Will come to you For the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and strife. I mean the bare necessities. That's why a bear can rest at ease. But just the bare necessities of life. Wherever I wander, whenever I roam, I couldn't be fonder of my big home. The bees are buzzing in the trees to make some honey just for me. When you look under the rocks and plants and take plants at the fancy end, and maybe try a few. <laughs> try one. The bare necessities of life. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC82. Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to the vault, where pink is the new black. I'm so glad you could join us once again. Spring has finally sprung, and of course, if you are enjoying any of your Easter candy, make sure you don't eat all of the jelly beans at once. April usually means a few things down here in the vault. The birthday to Animal Kingdom, and of course, the celebration of Earth Day. Of course, both coincide with one another. But what also happens during this magical time is that Disney Nature likes to release a film to coincide with such a momentous time. If you want to go back and take a look at the first Disney nature film, Earth, I have reviewed that back in the archives. However, I'm going to follow up with the second release from Disney nature, The Crimson Wing, Mystery of the Flamingos. Now, if you were to ask my father, flamingos are the world's best animals ever. And they are a beautiful creature. They can stand on one leg, they look great in their plumage, and they have good taste in food. But when you mix this magnificent bird with the storytelling of Disney nature, you're going to get one of the most fascinating stories when it comes to the Crimson Wing, Mystery of the Flamingos. Quite simply, this film chronicles the life of lesser flamingos on the shores of Lake Natron in northern Tanzania. That's Africa for all of us. We get to learn their breeding habits, their parental habits, and a little bit of a streak of fun within a little bird. Of course, the life of any creature is not easy. Their breeding ground is, of course, this fine lake in northern Tanzania. 
They grow up, move along, trying to live their lives. But along the way, there are Maribo storks, which will notoriously kill any unborn and newly born chicks. And if we all remember the villainy that lies within Africa, the hyenas are always looking for a little bite to eat. In typical Disney nature fashion, we will focus on one family. And unfortunately, this little stork that we follow was separated from her mother during one of those infamous stork attacks. Thankfully, our story does have a happy ending where she does evade the hardships of being alone and rejoins her clan where she is able to grow up. However, without parents to guide her, it is up to our little friend to find her way and grow up to become a beautiful pink princess along the shores of Lake Natron. As stated earlier, this is the second in the installment of Disney Nature's beautiful depiction of Earth. They are normally all released around Earth Day. This one was not. It was actually a secondary release from 2009, back in September. The first, being Earth, was released, of course, on Earth Day, April 22nd of that year. Working in conjunction with Kudos Pictures, Disney Nature brings to life a wonderful tradition that Walt Disney himself brought to life back in 1948 through the 60s, better known at that time as the True Life Adventures. What I love about having these Blu-rays here in the vault and able to watch them at home is that yes, they are gorgeous on the big screen, but they are even better at home. This latest high definition depiction of the Crimson Wing is gorgeous, almost pure perfection. Hardly any grain, edges are sharp and satisfying, and quite frankly, so immersive you think you are in Tanzania itself. The audio is just as superb as the video. Digitized in 5.1 Master Surround is a masterful mix, and again, so immersive that you feel you are a part of the Crimson Tide. Well, maybe that's Alabama, but you feel as if you are being held under the Crimson Wing. There are a few great Blu-ray features and extras within this disc. You will find with a filmmaker's annotations which is a picture-in-a-picture -picture track featuring dozens of interviews with the filmmakers and crew, behind-the-scene footage, and of course pop-up trivia that is throughout. Next up, Lake Natron's Diaries, Behind the Scenes of the Crimson Wing. It's a five-part documentary that explores the production, both presented in standard def and high def, and all of 20 minutes. So if you're a lover of nature, or a bird lover itself, this Blu-ray is the right DVD for you to watch, especially during this Earth Day celebration. So I'm going to file this one under S for shrimp, and I will see you again next week with a new blue for you to view down here in the vault. So until next time, gang, remember, the magic of Disney movies is always one leg under your underbelly and always deep inside of you. Keep your balance, gang. We'll see you next time. This system of nature with the flamingos has existed for about a million years. Nobody really knows how long the birds have been coming there to, to nest. So this idea of these mysterious birds uh, was kind of the core of where we started. And what did that mystery mean to us?
the birds themselves live in these massive colonies, so immediately you have spectacle that you know you just don't have with other species of birds. Not only that, of course, when they're adult, they become these beautiful pink, you know, creations. What first drew me to them were, was, of course, their, their, their shocking pink colour. I mean, their sort of the madness of, of their colour. and They flock together in such large numbers, um, so you just have this huge, like, sea of pink. because of something called carotene, which is in the algae that they eat, and carotene's also in carrots, um, and that's what makes the flamingos pink. So the more algae they're eating, the healthier they are, the pinker they are. And you can always tell the really healthy adult birds because they're the ones that are really, really, really pink. 80% of them are born at Lake Natron, but that's kind of their ground zero. Um, they actually spend most of their lives uh, migrating up and down the Rift Valley, there's a series of about 12 or so lakes, and they just kind of cruise around, and nobody knows why. Why do they appear at this lake today, and then tomorrow they're somewhere else? And the only lake we know for sure why they come back to is, is Natron, because that's where they breed.
Hi, this is Dave Thomas. You're listening to Disney On Demand. Hi again, D-Heads. Welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I'm Nathan, and ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. Happy Earth Day, everybody. This is the 47th anniversary of Earth Day. Enjoy the day doing something good for Earth, if you don't already. And also maybe catch Disney Nature's new flick, Born in China, releasing April 21st. So with that said, let's begin. Kicking off this week, let's begin with this week's quote coming from our Uncle Walt himself again. Never get bored or cynical. Yesterday is a thing of the past. Now it's Diz Radio throwback time for this week in Diz Radio history. With show number 108 from April of 2015 featuring Kevin McNally as the Black Pearl and Captain Jack Sparrow's loyal first mate. Brush up and get the hype, well, more hyped, just in time for Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Jump back with us today and check it out. Now, starting out this week in Disney history, we're going to go to 1964, when Disney's Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln exhibit passes testing at WED headquarters in California. It is now ready to be flown to New York for the World's Fair. In 1970, the very first Earth Day took place with over 20 million people participating. In 1991, a 55-foot-tall oak tree weighing in nearly at 85 tons is moved 12 miles across Walt Disney World property. It'll serve as a centerpiece for the Old Man Island Recreation Area at Disney's Port Orleans Resort, Riverside. In 1995, the Emperor's Lily, a recreation, and authentic, of an 1800s paddle wheel boat, offering the first character breakfast dining options at Walt Disney World, closes officially in Pleasure Island, Florida. Named after Walt Disney's wife Lillian, it'll reopen later on down the road as Fulton's Crab House in 1996. In 1997, it is reported that although Disney's newest animated film, Hercules, is still two months away from its debut in the United States, a sequel is already in production. In 1998, Disney World's $800 million Animal Kingdom Resort opens in Florida with five attractions, nine exhibits, 12 live entertainment shows, 11 merch locations, and eight food locations. Animal Kingdom spans 500 acres and is billed as a new species of theme park. Two of the three major lands, Africa and Dinoland USA, open on, t- on this date, and Asia will open early the next year in 99. And also in 98, My Date with the President's Daughter aired on the wonderful world of Disney. In 1999, Sounds Dangerous with Drew Carey, an audio attraction starring comedian Drew Carey, debuted at the ABC Sound Studio and Disney MGM Studios. In 2003, Walt Disney Pictures Holes, starring Sigourney Weaver, John Voight, Patricia Arquette, and Shia LaBeouf, premieres in theaters. Also in 2003, is Walt Disney Pictures and Walden Media's feature about the fated Titanic, Ghost of the Abyss, a documentary made by filmmaker James Cameron. In 2008, Disney announced a new mobile website and texting program. Developed in conjunction with M. Disney, part of the Walt Disney Internet Group, the new mobile site allows users with web-enabled phones to receive Radio Disney info, listen to Radio Disney, view the last 10 songs played on the station, send shout-outs, and request songs as well as taking polls. 
And in 2010, the world premiere of the Disney nature film Oceans takes place at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. And also in 2010, The Curious Case of Mr. Dabney, the third episode of Disney Channel's newest family sitcom, Good Luck Charlie, first airs. And we end this week in Disney history D-heads with a few birthdays around the Disney company. We're going to start them out this week with Mr. Peter Ustinov of Robin Hood fame as Prince John and Captain Edward Blackbeard Teach in Blackbeard's Ghost being born. Moving on to the legendary award-winning actress, Miss Haley Mills, being bored of many Disney classics such as Pollyanna, The Parent Trap, and Summer Magic. Next is the villainous Hades voice actor James Woods being born. Moving on, we have award-winning and coveted director and choreographer of High School Musical, The Cheetah Girls 2, and one of the most memorable, Dirty Dancing, Mr. Kenny Ortega being born. Disney legend Betty Lou Gerson, who is Cruella DeVille, is born. Acting legend Mr. Rick Moranis of many classic films such as Ghostbusters, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie, and The Audience Park Attraction. And The Flintstones is born. And we end birthdays with a long one this week with Mr. Tim Curry, the voice of Sir for Walt Disney World's Alien Encounter Attraction, as well as many voices such as Palpatine in the Clone Wars cartoon series, Nigel Thornberry of the Wild Thornberries, Ben Ravencroft and Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, Forte and Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas, Lord Draganis in the Mighty Ducks animated series, and Long John Silver in the Muppet Treasure Island, and many, many more. Well, D-Heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. Hope you enjoyed and learned something new maybe you didn't know. Feel free to email me at Nathan at DizRadio.com. As always, guys, have a great week, and see you real soon. Throughout today's performance, please refrain from buzzing, stinging, and pollinating. And no chirping. Thank you. And now, put your wings together for the host of our show, everyone's favorite ant, Flick! Fresh fruit and flowers. If it weren't for the fact that we like the taste, you'd be out there wallowing in shoulder high waist. Shoulder high waist. And give all the Lights, camera, action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest! Alright, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many times those are ones that tug at your heartstrings. They play with your emotions and they really set the tone for many different films, documentaries, television shows, and more. And with us here this week is somebody that's no stranger to any of that. He is a highly respected Emmy Award winning film and TV composer. He's also composed the up 
upcoming score for Born in China, Disney Nature's newest film that is getting released as well. We have none other than the talented Barnaby Taylor here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you. Well, it's great to be on the show. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, you know, great stature of resume here. I mean, going through all the different things that you've been part of so far. I mean, so many different things on the horizon. But before we jump into that, the one question I love to start with is what got you into composing and wanting to be a composer as a profession? <laughs> That's very interesting. I, I grew up in a very musical family. Um, my father is a, is a singer-songwriter. Uh, and a musician, great guitarist. And so when I was growing up as a child in England, um, I was always around music, um, not just around the folk music scene, but everything from kind of Woody Guthrie to church music to blues, uh, classical music. So I was always around um, a real variety of, of, of musicians and also music itself. I had access to guitars and pianos and um you know, pretty much any instrument I wanted to, to play, I had that opportunity to, not so much in a formal setting, but um, just, to, just to wander over to a piano as a young kid and, and improvise and see, see what it can do was really how I began. Um, I suppose I began writing my own tunes and little pieces. I've actually got some, some examples written down with me trying to kind of invent my own notation before I began to learn how to read music and write music. Um, I suppose about the age of five or six, possibly. Um, but then when I was nine, uh, I began taking piano lessons and, and kind of noodling around on the guitar a bit. I've never really studied guitar, but I do love playing guitar. And that kind of took me through my, my teenage years. Um, you know, because I think I'd experienced um, a little bit of what life on the road was like, and of course my father being a performer, I, I really knew early on that that wasn't for me, that actually being on stage and going on tour was not something that I felt I was really going to be comfortable doing. Um, I don't like being on stage at all. Um, I much prefer being behind the scenes. And I think, I think like a lot of kids, you know, I, I had different things pulling at me, pulling at my interests, pulling at my passions, and... A big passion of mine growing up as a kid were, you know, the, the, the great nature films of the time. Um, things, you know, programs by Jacques Cousteau, programs by David Attenborough, Life on Earth. And, of course, the great kind of reruns of the Disney um, nature films, um, the True Tales and things like that. Th these were the, the television programs that really um, excited me, and they, they, they kind of engendered this tremendous love for the natural world. So I had these two things going. I couldn't really see where the music would lead me because I couldn't really think of an outlet for it. I thought, well, if I can't go on, if I don't want to go on tour, if I don't want to go on stage, really, what what am I going to do? I knew I was never going to be a concert pianist. I was far too lazy, really. <laughs> um, but I also had this burning desire to be involved in the natural world. So I, I studied zoology instead. I took that road and went to Bristol University. I studied zoology there. I went to, um, I was at Imperial College in London as well. Um, and then I began working for the BBC, the Natural History Unit, which makes you know most of the natural history films that we probably watch on television today. And really loved that process. Uh, then I worked for an independent film company as well. And I was doing a lot of traveling, a lot of filming. And, you know, being involved in the making of these films um, was really what led me to writing music because in the course of, 
of making these films, of course, I got to meet some of the composers who were writing music for the series and the individual programs. And really, it was um, it was like a light bulb going on. I suddenly realized there was this world of music that was incredibly varied, incredibly diverse, um, with very interesting people, great um, visuals, great scenics and great stories, um, great animal characters. And I just thought, well, this is what I want to do with, with my life. I, 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 stopped, I stopped making films and began scoring music for films. And that's really how I, how I got into it. I, I, didn't, um, I didn't kind of set out with a long-term view, but I think, I, I think it proves that if you have something inside you that really needs to come out creatively, it will eventually somehow find a way out. And I think that the music was really kind of burning inside me for, for many, many years. I just hadn't quite found a way to express it. And I think for me, um, you know, scoring natural history sequences was um, was and is a perfect fit. I can't think of anything else I'd rather do. Well, you know, and with that too, like you said, it's one of those things where it kind of organically grew and, you know, kind of pushed you into that direction. And it's been fruitful for you because you've done so many different things. Now, with working with, you know, doing nature films and things like that, and I'm a big fan of all those as well, and of course the Disney nature film coming up, Born in China, um, you know, how is it different when you're composing something like this? Does the, does the director tell you, you know, the mood for a scene so you can convey the storyline? You know, because since it is animals, music plays such a, a big part in these kind of films. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think what, what tends to happen is, is that you, you, know, you sit and you work through the, the film with, with the director, with the producer, um, and the, you know, the, the director will, will say to you, we, we want this kind of emotion, we want that kind of emotion. But I think with the best-made films, it, it's, it's really quite obvious sometimes you know, w- what emotion you're going for there. I, I do think that... Um, I think the great thing about Disney nature films is that they emphasize the closeness between humans and the natural world, the similarity of emotions, and certainly Born in China um, is essentially about things that we can all relate to. We can all relate to being a child. We can all relate to being in a family. A lot of us can relate to having children, um, and, but those experiences, those emotions, and really when you watch... You know, Mai Mai, the panda, and Dao, the le- snow leopard, struggling, and um, Tao Tao, st- struggling to find his place in the world. You really can um, make an association between these animal emotions and, and human emotions. And my job as the composer is to kind of support this, to celebrate this, and to, um, yeah, to kind of augment it, to use a musical term, you know, to, to build it up in places and to make it more than the sum of its parts, to... Yeah, to to take it on to that next level of emotion. Well, you know, and it does just that, because when you do watch many of these films, you know, especially like you said, the Disney nature, it has this narrative of how closely we are to the animal kingdom, and the music really does, you know, it really sets you in this mood, sets you in this tone. And I guess with that, um, how did you get attached to doing Born in China? You know, how did that come about, um, you know, throughout your entire career and then getting, you know, connected with this Disney nature film? Yeah, it was it was very interesting how, how the Born in China project came about. Um uh, in 2009, I scored a series called Wild China for um, for Brian Leith and, and Phil Chapman, who were, were at the time were at the BBC. And really, this this BBC series, Wild China, um, this was the series that kind of sparked my interest in Chinese music. And I, I always do a lot of research on the places that I'm scoring. Uh, I suppose I've become a little bit known for scoring 
um, series and, and films that are set in certain places and capturing some, capturing something of that that place in the instrumentation. And I worked very closely with a, a UK uh, music ensemble uh, of Chinese musicians, and they were great because it meant that I could really get my head around what was the best way to work with these Chinese instruments. You know what what keys were they good in? Um, what, what, what was the kind of notation that I was going to have to use for them? What, what was their strong point? You know, how could I get these musicians into the room and get them playing so that they were happy in their, in their sort of sweet spot, if you like? Um, and how could I then blend those Chinese sounds with orchestra or blend it with guitar or Western instruments and make that connection with a, a Western audience and with a universal audience? So... While China was really important uh, for me in that regard, and that was the score that went on to win the uh, Best Music Emmy. And I didn't know this, but uh, the director of Born in China, Lu Xuan, was a big fan of this score. So when Brian Lee Productions went to Disney um, and said, look, we've got this idea for Disney Nature, and Disney said, yeah, sounds great. We'd like Lu Xuan to direct it. Um, the you know, issue of a composer came up, and my name came up. And luckily, fortunately for me, um, everyone seemed to agree that you know I'd, I'd be a good, uh, I'd be a good candidate for that score. So of course I was over the moon because it's not only you know, Disney is a company that I think every composer would want to work with, um, and I was, knew that I was going to be working with a great team. But I also knew that this is the kind of music I can write really well. Um, so that, that those all these things kind of aligned. I suppose they they do often on projects. Uh, so yeah, like I say, I just feel so fortunate that um, I scored Wild China and that Wild China led to Born in China. Well, you know, and with that too, you know, doing these things, and you know, of course, like you said, you know, you you really feel blessed that you were able to, you know, con- you know, I guess move into this realm. And of course, you also did a a little bit of composition in another one of my favorites, Frozen Planet. But with that, uh, I guess you know, with Born in China, I guess have you seen a final cut of the film and how your music has played such a role in it? Yeah, I mean, I. I... I always begin way before they start cutting the film. I, I love to see the script and read it, uh, read the treatment, anything really I can get my hands on. I always say, can you send me the stuff now? And I find that I'll read the script, and this, this is sometimes a month, maybe even over a year before um, the film's even, you know, we begin to start recording the, the music. I just find that little ideas will, will come to you at the strangest time. You know, I'll be out walking my dog or... I'll be just playing the piano for fun, and I'll suddenly think of, oh, this is a great Snow Leopard story, Dower. This, this feels like it could be Dower's melody, you know. This could be Dower's progression here. And what I tend to do is, um, it's so easy to record stuff on your phone now, you know, rather than write it down. I, I just always have my phone on me, and if a good idea comes, I'll, I'll just press record, and I'll, I'll label it up, you know, Dower idea. And then over the next couple of weeks, I'll... I'll be going through my, my voice memos and I'll think, oh, I'll listen to that again and it'll trigger that memory again. And I think that's the way I approach, that's really the way I approach most scores is I I just like to kind of absorb the story way ahead of the edit and get some ideas going and also get those ideas into the editing suite because the sooner you get those ideas in, the quicker you get the kind of dialogue between you and the director and I think that um, if you're talking about music, it's best to use music to do the talking. So far better than endlessly having conversations about styles of music. The best thing is just to send a few pieces over quick, you know, even just if it's just on piano. 
and says, how do you feel about this? And then, of course, the director usually comes back and says, I like it, but can we have it like that? So you send it back again, and they say, yeah, that's closer. Or, you know, sometimes they say, no, that's not right, or that isn't working for me. Um, and then once the editing begins, then I'm pretty much on board full-time, um, getting new cuts, getting new sequences, um, and sending music out to the editing suite so that the so that the director can see the the music in place and see how it's working to picture. Um, I think the first the first animal that I dealt with were on um, on Born in China was the monkey story Kowtow, because it really felt like that was the one. In a sense, it was the most fun and the most mischievous, and it, I, something about. <laughs> about it really captured my imagination right at the beginning of the edit. I felt like we needed a lot of energy and, and enthusiasm and positivity. And Tao Tao and his sort of antics with the Lost Boys and uh, his troubled relationship with his sister just really, really captured my imagination. And it led me to write for him in the style of kind of peaking, peaking opera, opera, which is um, lots of crashing cymbals and, and chaotic Chinese instrumentation. And when I was writing for the orchestra on that uh, storyline, I made sure that there was plenty of uh, fun in the, in the orchestral writing. So that's, that's kind of the way I approach it. And then, of course, you get to picture lock and the film is finished. That's when you go away and you, you record a lot of these instruments for real. So you'll record the orchestra for real, the piano, and also get the Chinese musicians in and other soloists that you might need, like uh, guitar and bass. Um, and some other percussion instruments that I was using. And, you know, we were very fortunate to record in, in a great studio with a great orchestra, and um, and then it's delivered. So it's um, it's a long process, and it's one that is, is pretty absorbing. Well, when it comes to the film, like you said, um, you know, doing different things and starting with some high energy and those great stories, is there one part of the film that you have composed that you feel is really going to touch the audience when they're watching this in theaters? There are. There, I'd say there were two places where I really feel like um, me, sort of personally, um, as a parent, I, I feel very uh, emotional when I get there, and it's really the story of of the panda Mai Mai um, and Yaya, and the story is essentially of a mother teaching her cub to climb a tree, which is really what 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 mother pandas do. That's their main job is to teach their their offspring to climb and to feed because essentially what pandas do is they climb trees and they eat a lot. They eat 40 pounds of bamboo a day, every day. Um, the thing is that when they've, uh, when they've taught their cub to do this, it's essentially goodbye because they've done their job and because pandas need so much territory um, to support them, they can't have overlapping territories. So it's a very touching sequence where, you know, as a parent, you feel like, wow, it's kind of what you do. You raise your children, you try and give them the skills they need to survive, and then they, they're out the door, you know, and it's, um, it's poignant. You, you, you have to do this job, and you, it's, a, it's, a great, it's the best job in the world, you know, but um, it uh, tugs at the heart, you know. And, and the second, the second storyline, I, I really can't go into because it's such a plot spoiler, but the, the audience will know it when they get there. Well, you know, and l like you said, you know, as a parent, you know, it's one of those things where you, you fear that day. You know, I'm a father of four, as many of our listeners know, and, you know, I, I'm always, 
I'm always fearful of that day when, you know, it's time to say goodbye. So cherish the moments while you can. Well, you'll, you'll be very moist to buy at that point, and I guarantee it. <laughs> now, I guess with this, you know, composing things like that, are there any composers out there that have really influenced you over the years, you know, you know, for doing movie scores or television? Is there any of those composers out there that has, has really, like, you've taken a liking to and have really inspired you to, you know, create your own thing? Definitely. I mean, I'm 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 obviously a big a fan of, of of people like John Williams, who, as a kid growing up, you know those those soundtracks, uh, you know Star Wars, Rage of the Lost Ark, E.T. These are, these are the sort of sounds of my youth. Um, and in a sense, I'm I'm only beginning to realise just how incredible they are now. Strangely, because they were so much a part of of growing up, you kind of took them for granted. And now I look I look back at the work of someone like John Williams, and I just feel absolutely in awe of this of this great. Um, I, I love the music of Ennio Morricone. He was a big influence on me. Um, music for things like The Mission, but I also think you know some of the some of the composers that are scoring the, the Disney animations and uh, uh, these days are also just fantastically talented um, musicians. Um, I also love uh, people like Alexander Desplat. I love his his scores. Uh, yeah, uh, Danny Elfman. You know, I, I could I could go on. I think there are just um, there's such a, a there's such a kind of wealth of talent in the in the film scoring world that uh, I, I think it's an exciting time to be a film and TV composer, actually, because of that. Well, you know, and with that, too, like you said, you know, the sounds of your youth, and I couldn't agree more because they were the sounds of my youth as well, and, uh, you know, just fantastic scores there as well. Now, of course, you know, Born in China, you know, everybody loves it, the Disney Nature series. You know, we know you're busy. We're not going to keep you too long here. But, of course, you know, there's other things that you you have coming up as well, including working with Netflix. And Netflix has become much of a beast of its own in terms of original content, great series and things like that uh how did you get involved with working with netflix with uh, ghost of the mountains yeah the the the, the, pro- the project ghost of the mountains which i literally just delivered last week and which i'm mixing next week i'm doing another one in a, in a few weeks um is essentially a spin-off of uh, born in china and it tells the story of the making of um one particular storyline in born in china and that is the snow leopard dower where they got this incredible footage, you know, of a snow leopard, which hasn't been seen before, a snow leopard with her cubs in the wild. And uh, it's a completely different feel to Born in China. You know, Born in China is very much a film about family. It's about growing up. Ghost of the Mountains is much more a documentary about how did these guys do this and really how much dedication did it take to be at incredibly high altitude, sub-zero temperatures, um, filming for, I think, 253 days in total to try and catch uh, a glimpse of the snow leopard um, in a situation where they went for the first 30 days without even seeing a snow leopard. So it took a lot of um, courage, mental toughness, physical toughness, um, and the music reflects this. The music is much more um, kind of contemporary, bold, uh, stripped out in places. There's a lot more guitar. There's a lot more driving, percussion. And in a sense, the, the film is less concerned with place, like it doesn't really feel in many places like China or more specifically Tibet, which is where the film is set. It's more a film about um, kind of human endeavor and risk and a certain degree of, of heroism really being right out on the edge, uh, you know, in, in very, very tough conditions, trying to film probably the most elusive mammal on the, on the planet. 
Very cool. Well, and like you said, it's one of those things where it takes this mental toughness to create these amazing documentaries that we all love to see. And, you know, just, you know, before we let you go, a couple more questions here, I guess, with that and looking back at, you know, again, being, you know, with Born in China and the Disney Nature series, now that you're part of that Disney brand, those are things that get passed on for generations and generations and people love them. I guess, is that one of those that you can check off your bucket list now? Absolutely. I, I think... I think also the great thing about working, uh, you know, being involved with a, with a Disney Nature project is that Disney really, really invests heavily, um, not just creatively, but financially in the places where these films are made. I mean, I went to the premiere in L.A. and I went to the premiere in New York. And in New York, I was sat behind uh, Woody Allen, but not just that I sat behind Woody Allen, but in front of me was Jane Goodall. Of course, Jane Goodall is a famous um, UN uh, representative for conservation. She's the, probably the most famous primatologist alive, famous for her work in Tanzania and Gombe and her work on chimpanzees. And you know, the fact that Jane Goodall is is um, associated with Disney Nature just I think that says it all really about how much Disney Nature put into these um, conservation projects that are associated with the films. I know that um, a, a portion of the proceeds from the opening week of Born in China will go to conservation projects in China. And I think, you know, for someone who's come from these two areas, from music, but also from zoology and a fascination with natural history and the natural world, there's nothing better. You know, I'm working for people who care, and I'm working for people who will make people care about the natural world. So as far as that's, that's concerned, yeah, it is definitely something I can uh, be very proud of, I think. Well, definitely. And like you said, it's one of those things where these are films that uh, they really capture something that's really important. I mean, you know, when, when we show these to a new generation and things like that, and I show it to my children and all of this, these are the kind of films where, yes, Star Wars and things like that are everlasting and everybody loves them. But these are capturing moments of our true world. And that's, that's it's something entirely different. Yeah, I, I think what these films do is that they, they take something from being abstract and they, and they kind of make it real for people. And I think there's that saying that, you know, you, you protect what you love. And how do you make people fall in love with something? Well, these films help people fall in love with the snow leopard. They might make people fall in love with giant pandas and they might make people fall in love with golden monkeys. But more importantly, I think they'll, they, it might lead them on to think about the stories behind the film, you know, where are these animals? Are they endangered? Why are they endangered? Well, how, 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 how are my actions affecting this? Can I do anything different? Can I get part of a conservation project where I live? Um, yeah, I think it's true. You, you, do, you do protect what you love, and I'm ho I hope that these films will, um, will help people fall in love with a, a very you know, specific part of the world. Definitely. Well, I guess, you know, in closing here and so many different things, and I can't urge everybody enough to check out Disney Nature's Born in China, for anybody out there who's listening in who loves these Disney Nature films and also, you know, fans of Barnaby, people who love your compositions and your work that you've done, you know, over the years, is there any final words you'd like to leave out there for everybody listening in? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 would, I love it when people, uh, you know, give, give me positive comments about the scores. It means the world to me. Um, I do get a lot of very nice comments from people, and I get a lot of people asking me for advice. Um, you know, how, how, how do I get involved in music for natural history films? I'm always happy to take the time to talk about that kind of thing uh, with people. Um, I, gosh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not good at anything else, so this is what I do, uh, and I love it. I love scoring to picture, and I hope I get to do another one. <laughs> 
Well, it was our pleasure having you stop in. Everybody, definitely check out all of Barnaby's work from Wild China, the Emmy Award winning that he has won for that. Of course, Frozen Planet, and so many other ones. And of course, Disney Natures, born in China, you know, out in theaters. Uh, definitely going to be a, a fun one because I do love these series as well. So thanks, Ty, uh, Barnaby, for taking time out of your day chatting with us. And I am really excited to uh, share this film with my children as well. Fabulous. It was great. Pleasure talking to Jonathan. Thank you very much. I spent my whole life dreaming of a perfect world where I thought you'd be. I spent my whole life waiting for a moment with you next to me. I pull you closer and closer, closer and closer.
follow these three amazing families. Born in China takes us far from that country's teeming cities to its mountain wilderness. As narrator John Krasinski introduces us to a giant panda preparing to let her growing cubs survive on her own. <laughs> Just maybe not today. A snow leopard living at 14 to 16,000 feet. The climate here is too cold for most mammals, but Dawa thrives here. And a golden snub-nosed monkey with a nose for trouble. Monkeys have long been figures of rebellion and mischief in Chinese folktales. And one of the most mischievous monkeys on this mountain. Is Tao Tao. You have to know exactly how close you can get, how to build a relationship with that animal. Producer Roy Conley says the cinematographers sought a balance between getting too close and getting the shot. It took him 90 days before he got his first shot of snow leopards because they're so elusive. But once he learned the paths and the way that they move and their their habits. Uh, he was able then to set his cameras up in such a way that he got that amazing footage that you get. I think a mandate is to inspire, to educate, and to entertain. And I think it's through that entertainment that really we capture the hearts of people, and they understand what a marvelous and magical world we live in. Hey, this is Luke Edwards from Newsies, and you're listening to Disney on Demand. Hey there, D-Heads. Paige here with an all-new Magical Music Review. This week we are celebrating a Disney film that went from being a cult classic to a Tony Award-winning Broadway musical. Released in 1992, Newsies introduced the world to Jack Kelly, Davey, Les, Crutchy, and a cast of boys selling newspapers in 1899 New York. The story is loosely based on the successful newsboy strike of 1899, which was a youth-led campaign against newspaper giants Joseph Pulitzer and William Randolph Hearst to change the compensation for the child labor force of newspaper sellers. The film soundtrack was written by Jack Feldman and Disney veteran Alan Menken, who had already established himself as an important figure in film music with the release of The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, with Aladdin coming out later the same year as Newsies. I have our selections queued up and ready to go, so let's waste no more time. Follow me to New York City as we join up with Christian Bale as Jack Kelly and the rest of the gang as we celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Walt Disney Pictures cult classic, Newsies. Before he was Batman, Christian Bale was getting his start in more light-hearted roles, including two Disney films, Newsies in 1992 and Pocahontas in 95. Jack Kelly is the ringleader of the Newsies of the World Paper, with the nickname of Cowboy from the other guys. But Jack isn't satisfied with the life of a Newsie in New York. He dreams of a different life out west. Bringing us a ballad in the film, Santa Fe features Jack wandering the streets of New York pondering the idea of a family and his dream of heading out to Santa Fe to start a new life away from New York and being a newsie. The instrumentation is fairly simple with the use of piano, violins, and the occasional harmonica feature to make up the majority of the underlying track, and the song is relatively low and dynamic, spending the first half in between a mezzo piano and mezzo forte. There is, however, an accelerando and crescendo leading into an instrumental break that adds percussion and winds in more prominent roles before a more dramatic push into the final chorus and dropping dynamics in tempo as Jack comes back in to end the song. So that's what they call a family Mother, daughter, father, son Guess that everything you heard about is true So you ain't got any family Well, who said you needed one? 
Ain't you glad nobody's waiting up for you? When I dream on my own, I'm alone, but I ain't lonely. For a dreamer, night's the only time of day. When the city's finally sleeping, when my thoughts begin to stray, and I'm on the train that's bound for Santa Fe, and I'm free. Like the wind, like I'm gonna live forever. It's a feeling time can never take away. All I need's a few more dollars, and I'm out of here to stay. Dreams come true, yes they do, in Santa Fe. Where does it say you gotta live and die here? Where does he say a guy can't catch a break? Why should you only take what you're given? Why should you spend your whole life living track where there ain't no future, even a 17, breaking your back for someone else's sake? If the light don't seem to suit ya, how about a change of scene? Far from the lousy headlines and the deadlines in between. Got excited when they saw their picture in the paper growing up. The newsies are no different. They started their strike, and their new friend, reporter Brian Denton, played by Bill Pullman, snaps a shot of the scene and gets it run on the front page of the Sun. King of New York features all of our newsies from Jack's group going back and forth, dreaming of what they would do with riches if they had them. The song is lower in the register for the most part compared to our previous tracks, staying in the lower voices with the violins and winds, also including percussion to the sound. Just as in Santa Fe, there is a brief instrumental break for a dance feature, which would be expanded years later for Broadway. The song is upbeat and wistful, keeping the same mood, tempo, and key all the way through. 
Belgian laces, a permanent box and keeps and races, a porcelain tub with boiling water, a Saturday night with the mayor's daughter. Look at me, I'm the king of New York. Suddenly, I'm respectable, staring right at your lousy good stature. Nothing with all the muckety mucks, I'm flowing my dough and going deluxe. selection we backtrack a little bit in the story to the decision to go on strike led by jack the world will know features piano full wind representation and percussion as the newsies get all hyped up to take this big step in striking against the world and joseph pulitzer a lot of the song features a call and answer format with mainly jack calling to his newsies and them responding it's a powerful ensemble number strong in its instrumentation and performance from the newsies to back up their resolve to go against Pulitzer and make a change for not just them, but the rest of the Newsies in New York, and later including all child labor. And with that, I'm going to leave you here this week. Thanks for sticking around for another magical music review, and for coming back to Disney On Demand every week. Please head on over to like our brand new Facebook page, simply named Diz Radio. Join us for news and discussions and fun on the D-Wire Facebook group, and feel free to contact any of us here on the D-Team with any comments, suggestions, or questions. Here are our email addresses found on DizRadio.com. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week, D-Heads, and until next time, see ya! Pull a turn, Hurst! They think we're nothing! Are we nothing? No! Pull a turn, Hurst! They think they got us! Do they got us? No! Even though we ain't got hats or badges, we're a union, just by saying so. And the world will go. What's it gonna take to stop the wagons? Are we ready? Gonna take the stop the scabbers. Can we do it? Yeah!
we'll do what we gotta do until we break the will of Mighty Bill and Joe. And the world will go, and the journal too. It's a hard set pull, and so have we got news for you. Now the world will hear what we got to say. We've been hawking headlines while we're making them today. And our ranks will grow. Circulation bus starts ringing. Will we hear it? No! What if a Delancey's come out swinging? Will we hear it? No! When you got a hundred voices singing, who can hear a lousy whistle blow? And the world will know that this ain't no game. That we got a ton of rotten fruit and poison. Envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. Tonight, join us for an extraordinary first look at Disney's Animal Kingdom at Walt Disney World in Florida with your host, Drew Carey, and our special guests from the Broadway hit The Lion King, Label M, Lady Smith Black Mombazo, Jane Seymour, James Keechan family. Tia Tamara Taj and Tavior Mulray. Paul Rodriguez. World-renowned conservationist Jane Goodall. Will Friedell and Danielle Fischel. Singing sensation Kimberly Scott. And the animals of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Tonight on The Wonderful World of Disney.
I'm Michael Eisner, and I am proud to join all the animals and characters in welcoming you to Disney's Animal Kingdom and Walt Disney World. Tonight, you and your family will be among the first to visit and explore this amazing new theme park. Animals have been a very special part of the Disney tradition for more than 75 years. Disney's Animal Kingdom is the culmination of our fascination and love and respect for animals. Welcome to the opening of Disney's Animal Kingdom and Walt Disney World. And welcome to the wonderful world of Disney. Now on Viz Radio, it's Brandy, giving you the latest news on Disney's multimedia. Brandy has you covered, giving you the latest news on what's happening at the Walt Disney Company. Now on VizRadio.com. All right, you D-heads, I'm reaching out to the older audience who grew up in 80s and 90s. Disney Interactive Studios and CampCon has partnered up to bring the Disney Afternoon Collection. Yes, the Disney Afternoon Collection, and you're wondering, what is this? Six classic games will thrill any heart that used to watch Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, or even DuckTales back in the day. They are designed in the fantastic 8-bit style for nostalgic value, but the games themselves are anything but outdated. They are available for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows PC games. Each game will come with its own museum of art and historical information about the 80s and 90s daily cartoon versions. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. In this version, it lets the players to team up with a friend in an optional play and assume the roles of the mischievous Chip and Dale as they take on the memorable villain Fat Cat in an attempt to solve the mystery of a missing kitten. Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers 2 Fat Cat has escaped and his plans are even more dastardly this time. The, the heroes will bring along the supporting cast of Monterey Jack, Gadget, and Zipper. They must stop Fat Cat from his evil dream of world domination. Darkwing Duck Play as the original Cape Crusader and fight a city of criminals from the famous FOWL F-O-W-L, organization in this action-packed epic. DuckTales, the iconic platforming adventure where players can help Scrooge McDuck fill his feathery pockets with vast riches around the world. DuckTales 2, the sequel to the original game, comes jam-packed with even more actions and the bigger carper sets in new locations such as the Bermuda Triangle and the Niagara Falls. And finally, Tailspin. Take the skies as Baloo the Bear navigates his plane through exotic and dangerous location in this side-scrolling shoot 'em up 'em style of game. All these games will come at a price of $19.99 and again they are available for download to your latest platform devices such as again to remind you PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows PC games. So okay D-Heads, what do you think? Do you want to buy these retro games and see all these wonderful graphic crisper 8-bit style game? Or maybe you want to buy them all and have all the wonderful memories of the wonderful Disney Afternoon cartoons. Well, this is Randy signing out for Disney Multimedia. 
be sure to keep your eyes, ears, and senses alerted with the latest Disney multimedia around you. Until then, see you next time. It's Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It was a fantastic romp with nature, pandas, and heading off to China. And I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the very talented composer, Barnaby Taylor, for stopping in here this week and adding that something special to the Disney Nature Born in China series, as well as all the films that you've been part of and adding that something special with your compositions. I look forward to Netflix and Ghosts in the Mountains as well. So thank you, Barnaby, once again for stopping in, chatting with us, and adding that bit of magic here at DizRadio.com. I also I want to extend a very special thank you to the D-Team. Without the D-Team, the show would be nothing more than me rambling week in and week out. So I want to extend that very special thank you to Dominic, Paige, Jason, Randy, Nathan, all stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without you, there would be no show. So thank you, the D-Team, for stopping in and adding that magic for all of our listeners. And finally, thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, there would be no show at all. You are the reason we've continued to bring the show to you for the last seven years. With celebrities, interviews, and news, and so much more, you are the reason that we continued to bring the show to you for the last seven years. So thank you, the D-Heads, for sharing the magic, making the memories, and allowing us to bring the show to you as well. And next week for show number 175, we have something very special on the horizon. But before I clue you in as to who's going to be stopping in, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash Diz Radio Show. That's D-I-Z Radio Show, S-H-O-W. Remember, there is a change to that to jump to our new Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. And remember, you can always stay connected instantly as soon as the shows get released right there on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just go there and subscribe. Search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, quirky, magical little show where you can subscribe and get the latest shows right there to listen to on your iPhone, your Android, your mobile device, your tablet, the music device of your choice and get the shows instantly as they get released. It is that easy. And remember, if I've been rambling on too fast, too much, all you got to do is go to DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com and find all those links there as well. So all of you D-Hats, with that out of the way, we're closing out the show here this week and next week we're going to take a trip back to the 90s. We're going to have somebody stopping in who was pretty much an icon for the ladies out there and was also part of a little show that had a mouse as a mascot. I'm going to leave it at that, all of you D-Heads. So until next week, take time, slow down, never neglect family for business. Remember that, take those moments in, and cherish them. And until next week, all of you D-Heads, I'll catch you online and have a fantastic, magical weekend.
From the day we arrive on the planet And blinking, stepping to the sun There's more to be seen Than can ever be seen More to do Than could ever be done yeah. Some say eat or be eaten Some say live and let live yeah. all are agreeing As they join the stampede You should never take more than you give In the circle of life It's the wheel of fortune It's a leap of faith oh. It's the band of hope oh. Till we find a place On the path unwinding yeah. In the circle Circle of life Some of us fall by the wayside And some of us soar to the stars And some of us have troubles And some have to live with our scars oh, yeah, yeah. There's far too much to take in Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.